Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. It's me. Welcome, everyone. We are now... Uh, featuring our good news segment. We're going to kick it off right away by talking about the Oscars. And then stay tuned for some absolutely fascinating news. You know, are we making progress in the world of human trafficking? You're going to hear about that. But even more than that, what is it that we could know about our lives when it comes to that? And then how about celebrating for us? Celebrating. But right now, we're going to talk a little bit about the Oscars. Benny, how are you? I'm doing very well, Pat. So Frances McDormand lost her Oscar last night. Apparently, yeah. Just news right there at the top of the hour. (laughs) The reports are going around. It was taken from her. That's not cool. That's not cool. Man, uh, I don't know, like, what that person was thinking uh, to do that. But, you know, in any event, it, 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 it could be a little shocker, could be a little shocker. I guess at the governor's ball, I guess all things are not, not safe. So Benny, uh, fast forward to where we are today. Uh, Clearly people are talking uh, for sure about, you know, what it is that happened to her Oscar, but She's so right on when she says, yeah, we're a scrappy bunch, you know, and of course the reference last night, if you don't know, was to her husband and and her son. But most importantly, you know, the, the character that she played in Billboards and the character she played in Fargo, the one thing you know for sure about this actor is that she is passionate and purposeful about her work. And the topic for that particular film, uh, Three Billboards, is, you know, it was harsh. It was a great movie, one uh, on my top list. But I will say for me, the talk of the night had to be, had to be Shape of Water. And, you know, when I started to talk about Shape of Water months ago, people basically looked at this film and put this film in Shape of Water and put this this guy, this director and the films that he uh, has produced, put it in a category that literally stereotypes what the message was. But. Here's the deal. If you're looking for a film that represents the dynamic of the time we live in, believe it or not, could it be The Shape of Water? Could it be this film that seems a little bit odd when you look at some of the trailers for it? Is it possible that there's a message in here that rang true throughout the Oscars and all, by the way, Benny, all of the awards throughout this season's award ceremony. But this inclusion writer thing is something that many people don't know much about, but what it means pretty much is, hello, can we get on board and maybe take a page from the, the, let's just call it playbook of prime minister to the north of us who stepped into office and said, you know, this is how we're going to fill some of the spots here we have in government. And that's Trudeau. But today, 
let's talk about for a minute and a few minutes we have here in this segment about what this means, what this means and how Francis McDormand's personal message and Guillermo del Toro's incredibly amazing fantasy romance, The Shape of Water, have in common. So I got to give a mention to a woman that didn't win the Oscar. And boy, this was tough for me because Sally Hawkins, if you know anything about this very gentle soul, very gentle soul, and you have not seen The Shape of Water, this might be something you want to look at and ask yourself, how is it that this actor who doesn't really utter a word, who plays somebody in the film that cannot speak yet, yet spoke so powerfully about what the right thing to do might be about humanity. And it was so fascinating to just see this, these two films, you know, one being acknowledged, both not, not just by Francis McDormand, but I mean, all you need to do is, you know, just look at, you know, what it was in the supporting actor, male supporting actor role for this film as well uh, with that. But what is it about the messages of the films that we're looking at now today? that are so powerfully relating to people in the time we live in. Yeah, I'm a little sad that a, a film like Wonder Woman and probably Black Panther will go by the wayside of fabulous box offer hits, but very little recognition. And this idea of, of writer uh, inclusion, this idea of having that in, still doesn't mean equal pay. And I think you heard some of that too. But outside of those issues, let's look at some great filmmaking. You know, there are those of us that go to the films and I have gone to the films, you know, gone to the movies from a very young age, loved movies, loved fantasy, loved comic book, loved, you know, looking at, the world through the eyes of creativity. And so today, it's really a question mark for many people that would say, we've lost our creativity, we've lost our spark. You know, Hollywood has lost its edge. Let's look at the ratings for the Oscars last night and let's decide whether or not those ratings are at the top of our list and should really dictate whether or not people are interested or not. Let's acknowledge the people that show up as a craft, as a skill, and pour their hearts into making sure that those of us, you know, that buy a ticket to go see a movie are not only going to be in the realm of absolute awe and walk out of a movie thinking, what did I just see? But how about those of us that so honor both the emotional side of these films, the powerful message that comes through these films, and in the end, what is it about Hollywood that is deciding to honor people, people that are coming forward right now? And so let's just take a look at this for a minute. You know, nobody was surprised about Gary Oldman. No, nobody I don't think was surprised. I was a little surprised. I, I, I was thinking we could go in another direction there. But after you saw the film, you probably realized you couldn't. But I want to think about all of the films that were put on the table. Shocker, I think, Benny, I don't know if you had a chance to watch it or people are like, what was that movie? Get Up? What? What is Get, get What? Get Shorty? Yeah, no, Jordan Peele's flick. Yeah, mm -hmm. not Get Shorty, Get Out. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Did you see it, Benny? Uh, uh -oh. I did not see the movie. That's another one on my list. It's right on, um, what do you call it? You can rent it. Um, powerful. And again another movie representing the time we're living in here. 
uh, everything from looking at best documentary to looking at, um, man, you know, what a touchy call me by my name. I mean, my gosh, Lady Bird. These are films that when we think about the films of old Hollywood, we're seeing people show up in so many ways. And yet, with all of that, still show up and bring a powerful message to the forefront. I think, Benny, we got to give Mary J. Blige a little bit of love right here. Mary J., you know, a little bit of love. Because I think we could go unnoticed without saying first time ever nomination for both music and acting uh, in, in, in one Oscars and just give her a nod for her multi-talented, multi-dimensional nature of who she is. And I don't think anybody saw that coming for her, Benny. Do you? Uh, not at all, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was impressed. Yep. I, I mean, totally impressed. And so when we think about folks and we think about the movies now, I think for me, I have a sense of theater today that reminds me of growing up as a kid. It just reminds me uh, of what that means. And, you know, are you going to think about what your children go to the movies to see? Will you perhaps have your children see The Shape of Water? Will it be enough now to really look at a film like The Shape of Water and say, yeah, do do the box office hits really matter? But let's look at my main man, Guillermo del Toro. So when I said to a friend of mine, I want to go see this movie called Pacific Rim. (laughs) They're like, what's that about? Is that like the Pacific Northwest? I said, no, no, no. I don't think it's about the Pacific. Totally different. (laughs) But I don't know. It could be some days. Pacific Rim. Or maybe you say to somebody, okay, I'm going to see Hellboy. uh, Or Pan's Labyrinth. Or The Shape of Water. What these films have in common, right? But wait a minute, wait a minute, we're not done there. How about the book, book called The Strain? How about Troll Hunters? How about Hyperspace? Okay, television shows, movies. There's one thing Guillermo del Toro has going for him, this Mexican film director. This one thing we know about him. You know, he is somebody that has said, this is who I am. But what is it about the shape of water that's different? Why is it different than maybe Pacific Rim or maybe Mimic? What is different about this, but not different about this man? What's different about the film, from my perspective, The Shape of Water, it is a film that when I think about the alienation between whether it's human being to human being or human being to species, different one. This is a film that's built upon a platform of love. It has throughout it, whether or not you're thinking about how to connect with one or another, this is the film. You know, Del Toro's favorite monster films, he and I have a couple of these in common. Uh, Frankenstein's monster, of course, the alien, alien. And one of my all-time favorites, if you go back in time, go get the original one, The Thing, The Thing. And so how does one take this fantasy film, bring it to the screen in 2017, And punch it on home with both the fantasy sci-fi message that has to do with humanity. Well, I'm going to leave that up to all of you. Because I think that if you take that journey and you take a look down the pathway of what that could be in the shape of water, 
ask yourself, will your heart open? And the answer will be yes. Let's take a short break. Stay tuned for a good news segment. Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. What is a brilliant culture, and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. Are you looking for the perfect setting for your next workshop or retreat? At Spirit Fire Meditative Retreat Center, cultivating consciousness is what we do best. Our guests count on us to create an atmosphere that supports serenity and well-being. We lead from the heart and create space for the mind. Freshly prepared meals designed with local and organic ingredients, 95 acres of beautiful woods and pastures, and a facility built with green in mind. This is what you'll find at Spirit Fire. For more information, visit spiritfireretreatcenter.com. Do you ever feel as if you're working twice as hard but only getting half as far? Are you trying to connect with your path in life and finding it elusive? Mainstream Metaphysics Radio is a weekly call-in show where we harness our connection with the universe and use what is in our power to affect change for optimal success and happiness. This hit show bridges the divide between what is and what we do not know. Eve, named one of the country's top psychics, also known as the MBA Psychic, invites you on this journey for this live call-in show with readings, featured guests, leaders, and visionaries in both business and spiritual callings. So join Eve Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com as she takes metaphysics mainstream. For more information about Eve, visit EliteTarot.com. That's EliteTarot.com. Best-selling author, spiritual life, and business coach Joe Nunziata brings his higher energy and no-nonsense style to people who are ready to make powerful changes now. Wake up, step up, power up with a shot of Joe. Join Joe the second and fourth Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern for 30 minutes of high energy, no-nonsense, and powerful tools to make powerful changes. Visit JoeNuns.com. That's J-O-E-N-U-N-Z.com. Whenever I'm alone with you You make me feel like I am whole again everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You know, many of you have really given us some great feedback about what we're calling our good news segments. While today's topic may not be good news for many of you that understand the pain and the journey that goes on with families that experience human trafficking, the good news part of this is that there is Michael McMcEwen in the helm the Department of Homeland Security's blue campaign that is focusing on educating the public. How? How to recognize and report human trafficking. You know, you've heard me talk about the latest technology we have out there now to protect our children. But today, this is a show about a mission, a mission about human trafficking. What is it? What are the common indicators of it? And what kinds of targeted events make us most vulnerable. 
Mick, great to have you here. Thank you for today's show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Greatly appreciate it. You know, I did a show not too long ago, and I talked about the advances in technology for our children. And one of the things I talked about is some of the technology that allows children, children that can, that are old enough to have the wherewithal, uh, to use technology to A, indicate that there's a problem, and B, to track them. But that doesn't negate the majority of people, families that are vulnerable Human trafficking, a horrible crime, and what it does to an individual's basic rights and dignity is shocking. Thank you for your message. Tell us a little bit about what this campaign is about and what advances have we made? Well, we're having some great advances, and I'm looking forward to talking to you about them. But first, the Blue Campaign, it's the unified voice for DHS. And so the federal government is trying to work across all its different components and agencies to uh, approach this crime single-handedly and taking it, you know, one step at a time. And what we have across the federal government is a, a unified voice. And we have a victim center approach in what we do. Now, DHS is huge. We compose of multiple different agencies and components. We have everything from the United States Coast Guard to the Secret Service to Custom Border Protection. So what the Blue Campaign does is making sure that all those agencies are talking together, get the same information, and help raise awareness as well. Yeah. One of the things I want to say for, yeah, I want to say for our listeners, Mm -hmm. DHS, Department of Homeland Security, and and Mick, your executive director. So needless to say, Mm -hmm. you are seeing it all. And yet at the same time, I don't think the public in our country, let's just stay here for a minute. I don't think they understand the magnitude of human trafficking. Give us a sneak, give us an update on that. Well, the crime itself is non-discriminatory. Mm. It doesn't care if you live in an urban community, a suburban community, or out on the farm. It doesn't care how old you are, if you're male or female, black, white, or anything else. It doesn't care what religion you follow. It takes advantage of people in vulnerable situations and uses those situations for the financial benefit of others. And that's really what we're trying to help raise the awareness on, is that this crime is happening in our hometowns, and it's happening across the country. Now, certain things that we can't really pinpoint yet, and that's for helping raise the awareness. You know, we don't know the exact numbers. We just know that one is too many, you know? Yeah. And so that's really kind of where our focus is, is that it's, it's happening in places and in areas where we never really, people don't consider it, you know? We think of it as a, an issue that evolves, you know, only certain groups. But we're seeing it happening in communities, you know, such as the Amish community. And then we're turning around and we're seeing it, you know, with a couple of suburban kids from Los Angeles, you know, who went to, uh, you know, a flight without an identification. And thankfully, American Airlines was able to kind of thwart that. So we're seeing news stories covering the gamut of people and how this is, you know, a way for us to not only raise awareness, but to also, you know, help eradicate the crime. Yeah, I I think what you're saying is so important for everyone to understand and actually hear you say, and that is there really isn't an exempt population. Uh, The other thing that you said I want to get back to and make sure everybody knows, this is big business. I mean, it's sad to say that human trafficking is big business, but that is the primary motivator of such an atrocity. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you have uh, drug trafficking, human trafficking, and gun trafficking, and we think it goes in that order. Um, and so, I mean, like, the, the human life is considered a commodity on the black market, and that's something that, you know, we thought we'd outgrown. <laughs> you know, yeah. This is something that we thought that doesn't exist anymore, but obviously we haven't, and it happens right here in the United States. And that's what, like, one of the things when we talk about this that we have to make people understand, too, is that when we think of uh, gun trafficking or um, drug trafficking, there's movement involved. In human trafficking, that person might never has to leave their hometown. You can stay where you grew up and where you were born and still be trafficked. 
Yeah, that's a scary part. And then, you know, isn't this also, you think you're out on a family event or at a family endeavor, or you think you're maybe at a sports event or Disney or someplace, and you think you're kind of safe. You think I'm at this place and there are guards over there and there are this over there and security over there and there are cameras over there. And that's contrary to really what we're seeing about the magnitude and the target kinds of events that this happens. Give us a little information so people can understand, wait a minute, you you really need to pay attention in these certain areas. Yeah, I think that when you're in any type of event, we want to always be vigilant, right? And we want to look for the indicators. And the thing is, is that when, you know, people are listening to this, they're thinking, well, if I'm at Disney World or an amusement park, you know, the question isn't going to be, I'm, I'm not going to encounter a sex worker. That's probably true, but there's also opportunities for, you know, you know, forced labor that we don't even talk about. That's part of human trafficking. There can be, we don't know who is selling t-shirts out in the middle of the street. We don't know what their situation is. We don't know some of, you know, who's, you know, in, you know, certain construction zones that might not have licenses. And we don't know, like, you know, uh, who's we're dealing with in, you know, certain instances where it seems like it's a normal occurrence, but you know what? That's where that gut check comes in. And you say to yourself, something here doesn't feel right. This person doesn't belong. And, you know, you know the difference between someone selling, you know, selling you a Mickey light on Main Street in Disney World and the person who might be emaciated or malnourished sitting, selling you something outside that park. So that's the type of thing that we have to kind of look for that we were maybe Mm -hmm. kind of blind to before. Yeah. What are some of the, would you say, if you had your top three, what are some of the events that people should be more mindful of? You know, are they large sporting events? Are they a day out on a Sunday? What should folks know about some of the more uh, frequent places that you've been able to pinpoint for this atrocity to happen? So actually, I'm going to kind of take that question and just turn it slightly. Okay. I think that we have to start focusing a little bit more. One of the partnerships we have is with the National American Convenience Stores. And I think beyond talking about what the weather is when we get that cup of coffee in the morning, Mm. is maybe listening to what each other is saying to each other. Hey, isn't that weird, that gray van that keeps on coming here every Tuesday? Or, hey, I always see that guy, but he's always with different people. I don't know who they are. I think that's the type of conversation we have to have in our everyday lives. So not to necessarily be less vigilant when we go to a major sporting event or, you know, on vacation, but maybe be more aware of when we're in our everyday settings, in the settings where we're most comfortable. And because that's also an opportunity when we could be at our most vulnerable. Yeah, I think it's so important what you're talking about, because you're right. In our everyday situations, we go in and get a cup of coffee. I, you know, I'm in the greater Seattle area. We go in and get a cup of coffee. Somebody says, how are you having a good day? And then all of a sudden we start to talk about our children. Or we start to talk about our grandchildren mm-hmm. or we start, you know, we open in this dialogue in a room full of 20, 30 people about things that are most personal to us. You know, I want to ask you this question. You know, what are your concerns about doing that um, and about sharing at that level? Because, I, I mean, our, our listeners may not know whether that's a factor or not a factor. Yeah, so I think there, there's, when it comes to a situation like that, what we have to do is, you know, there's nothing necessarily, you know, wrong with sharing that information. Mm-hmm. But then once again, I'm going to kind of turn around. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to make sure you're talking to those family members. So when we're seeing some trafficking cases, we're seeing some cases where these kids wake up at mom and dad's house, go to their trafficking situation during the day, and come back home and go to sleep at mom and dad's house. Yeah, You know, so maybe that time when that kid isn't talking to you and you're just putting it down as a moody teenager or, you know, you had a fight over something silly and you're just thinking mm-hmm. that there's more, there, there might not be anything more to it. That's when you have to kind of go after that and mm-hmm. make sure that, you know, you protect your family and those that you care about and, you know, ask some questions and see what's going on with them and be able to have that conversation with them so that they aren't susceptible yeah. to this. Because what happens with trafficking victims is that they think, you know, that they're in a loving relationship. This person cares for them. They have a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. They buy them things, whether it's food, clothes, shelter. It could be a fancy necklace mm-hmm. to start. And then all of a sudden it kind of just goes down from there. 
So it's yeah. really important to be able to have these kind of conversations and make sure that those people who are at their most vulnerable turn to you, the family member or the friend, and not to the trafficker. Yeah, I, you know, first of all, Mick, I want to thank you for what you're doing today. And I want to talk a little bit, you know, I, I know our time is really limited, about the Blue Campaign. First of all, how can our listeners find out more about this and also pass it on? And then I know you're doing like a gazillion of these interviews. So thank you for that. Tell us about the Blue Campaign. Tell us about the website that folks can go to. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been great so far. And I think the best thing to do is go to two things. Go to dhs.gov backslash blue campaign and engage with us on social media. You know, we have uh, at DHS Blue Campaign on Twitter and we're also on Facebook. And I think we're having a, an interesting conversation on what the indicators are, what are the things that we're seeing and kind of being a great hub for what's going on with this specific issue. Awesome. Now, I know we've got a few minutes left. Um, I am somebody that was homeless at 17 years old. And so even back in the day when that was me, uh, you did not know what lurked in the shadows, in the corners. And I'm, I really do believe I'm very fortunate to even be here today. But let's call it common sense. Let's call it intuition. Can you just give us in these last minutes left what can children, what can family know and do to keep their radar going and alert? I think the most important thing, like I said earlier, is going to be mm -hmm. this gut check and this sense of, you know, when you have that sense of foreboding or that sense of something doesn't feel right, having the intuition and the pretty much, you know, the determination to make a phone call. It's so important to just call Local, local authorities, if it's, it looks like an emergency situation, call 911. But if it's a situation where you're like, this isn't an emergency, it just doesn't feel right, and I don't know, you know, we have phone numbers available. The one number I suggest is, you know, our tip line, which is 1-866-347-2423. That's 1-866-347-2423. And I think that's a great way for people to kind of become aware of that. And I know, Dr., like, you know, from... Mm -hmm. Your scenario uh, from what you in your journey, uh, it, it sounds very inspiring. I think that we're, you know, one of the things that we've been able to do and everything that we do at the Blue Campaign, not only does it focus with on survivors of this, we actively seek their input. And, you know, one of the things that I'm so proud of is that we have been able to really work on our product so that it's, when we go out and do this outreach, it has that authentic voice for people to really understand what this is going for. You know, it was jarring to talk to a survivor of trafficking. And, you know, the saying is that we use so frequently in the business setting is, well, the door doesn't lock from the inside, but in her situation, it yeah. In her situation, the door did lock from the inside. And that to me is something that was so jarring. And you're sitting there and you're hearing the story and it's like, how can I not fight a little bit harder and yeah. work a little bit harder to help eradicate and help these people? Yeah. And I want to let everybody know that, you know, for us to know that you all at Homeland Security investigating this, the tip line, actions you put into place are so important. And, you know, for many people listening, I want to just make sure they take you up, uh, Mick, on your on your invitation, pick up the phone and call. Pick up the phone and call and see if there is something suspicious going on. Um, I, one last question. I know you're you're really busy. You're going sure. around. Um, what's your personal message? What would you say to the family, parents listening to 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 the show today? Many probably who who got a dose of education watching the blockbuster film Taken. I mean. That did for human trafficking with a lot of other films did for other reasons. It really put all, yeah, albeit it's Hollywood, it really did shine a light on what could happen, right? But yeah, it, it did shine a light. It's yeah. also, Liam Neeson might be the worst parent in the world. Yeah. Um, he's losing <laughs> their child. But, but exactly. that being said, in, 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 on, a, on a serious note, is that, you know, we, we have to protect our everyday. Yeah. We have to protect what's most important to us. You know, the, I work in homeland security. You have to be in hometown security here. And, you know, if you see something, say something. And that's the most important thing is that, you know, there's a feeling that, you know, that's not my job. 
where that's not, that's not something I should report. If you have that sinking stomach feeling, pick up the phone. I'm not saying this they call 911, but call the tip line. You know, there's there's multiple numbers to call um, that you can contact somebody. There's even non-emergency lines for local police enforcement that you can call somebody and say, hey, this isn't an emergency, but this is something I'm seeing and I want to make you guys aware. Because local law enforcement is going to be the best equipped and they know your community and they know your hometown and they know what's right and what's wrong going on there. Yeah. Thank you again for today. And you're absolutely right. You know, this is not a laughing matter. This is a matter that each and every one of us must take seriously. Thank you so much, uh, Mick, for everything you're doing. Thank you, doctor. Everybody, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our good news segment. You know, this is something you all have heard me talk about. You've heard me talk about my roots and my family's roots from the South and my experience growing up in a very eclectic uh, spiritual family. On the one side, you got my dad and, you know, Catholicism. On the other, you got my mom and my mom growing up in a very, very small town down in Virginia. Those of us that understand it, understand the togetherness that I experienced growing up and understanding the connection in the Baptist church. So today, for those of you that have heard me talk about that, here's the news flash. Today, we're talking about something that is so important to us in our time. And that is, how do we come together? How do we bring together harmony? How do we do it? How do we do it in a way where we don't see each other by race? We don't see each other by religion, but we see each other. Joining me here today are, are two folks that have a very big message and an invitation. Connie Harshor and Reginald Davis joining me here today. And they're here as part of an initiative that I'm excited to hear about and to, and, and hear about and for all of us to think about in action today. Hey, thank you both for joining me here today. It's great to have you both. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So, you know, here's the thing I want to get back to a little bit, and then I want you all to jump in about, you know, why this is important in today's world. You know, I do have an eclectic background, and I've shared what Sundays used to be like going down to a really small town, Victoria, Virginia, going to service on Sunday, coming back, and having the entire community sit on the front lawn of my grandma and my grandpa's home and uh, a home that had an outhouse and didn't have a soap. And one of the things I love about that is we didn't really look at each other as different. There wasn't a racial divide in those moments. And I want to ask you, is that part of what you all are sensing and is what needed in the world? Is it about bringing us together beyond what we think our differences are? And let's start off with you, Connie, if we could, and then Reginald will get to you. Well, I think it is absolutely the message. We all serve one God. However, we get up on Sunday morning and we go to these different places of worship. Well, you know from your experience with your grandparents back in the day, <laughs> there, there wasn't any racial divide. We got together, we celebrated in our religion, and we worshiped the God that we all serve. There was no color. There was no social class. There was nothing. We all, in the name of the one God that we serve, got together in Christian fellowship. And uh, having been raised in the South by grandmothers, we were, you know, our faith guided everything that we did. Mm -hmm. We did not see people in color or faith. We saw people who needed help. We saw that they all understood the same God and Christian love that we all had. So we're trying mm -hmm. to get that back now by trans, you know, crossing the community, inviting other pastors and reverends into our church, a historically black African-American church, who you should know that on any given Sunday, we have visitors from all over the world, not just the nation, but the world. And so we need to set the example that there is no racial divisiveness. When you come through those doors at First Baptist on Scotland Street, the message is pretty clear. We love you. We are going to worship with you and invite you in. So ringing the bell 
um, is the symbol that all are welcome. Yeah. I love that message. And I love it even, you know, in the world we live in today, where I don't think that in, uh, let's just go back a few decades, I would ever thought that we would be talking about in this day and age, uh, Reginald, in this decade, that we would be still uh, wanting to bring this message of harmony together. But now more than ever, isn't this the message of love? And it is a message that transcends who we are, and what we believe, isn't it? Absolutely. And this bell, this, this, this freedom bell that we have here at First Baptist Church uh, is a clarion call to get us back to our core values. If we don't go back to our core values of being one nation under God, uh, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, we're going to allow the division to rip us apart as a nation. Uh, one symbol of the bell is that we want people to understand that across racial lines, we are still one. Uh, as the mm-hmm. scripture says, that from one uh, blood, he made all nations of people. So we mm-hmm. understand that America is a, a, a nation of immigrants. Uh, it's a nation of diversity. And so we need to start demonstrating that to say that this is the mark and trade uh, uh, of the United States of America. Another mm-hmm. symbol of the bell is that if you go way back, Bell symbolizes, when you ring it, the warding off of evil spirits. There's something sinister in our land and in our culture that's constantly dividing us. But we want to ring this freedom bell to say that we will have freedom over division. We will have freedom over hatred. We will have freedom over all of the things that are trying to come and divide us. So the ringing of the bell is is also a symbol to ward off those spirits that are constantly trying to divide us. And people can come here at 727 Scotland Street uh, to come and ring this bell. We will have notable uh, people who will also come. Uh, Connie Harshaw can tell you all of the people mm-hmm. uh, that will be coming uh, on this uh, Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Connie, because I think this is so important for people to understand, you know, that when we're looking at what your message is, when we're looking at, you know, this is, first of all, First Baptist Church here that, you know, we're talking about, you know, this is historic. But the idea of the freedom ring and the freedom bell is the vibration of love that you all are inviting into the world mm-hmm. Be, beyond symbolic. Isn't it also the message of energetic togetherness, Connie? It absolutely is. It's not just us ringing the bell and not doing anything else. The sound of that bell is arresting. It is an arresting sound. When you hear a bell, of all the sounds you hear, it garners attention. And the attention that we want is that we want to go back to the day of your grandparents mm-hmm. and, and my grandparents who did not see each other for their differences. We saw what we had in common. We saw a task that we had to do. We had to build a country and we had to come together as one and we had to overcome slavery and divisiveness and come mm-hmm. together as a nation. And we're hoping that not just walking through the doors of First Baptist, but we've given opportunities for you to do it virtually, to ring the bell, and to read the testimony of so many people, I think there are about 7 million at last count, that have talked about what the ringing of this bell means to them. Well, you know, this is also part of a message that is so needed in the world today, and, and I really want us to get to that. Of course, you both and, of course, the First Baptist Church is leading the way for this. But this notion of continuing the racial divide is something that we all need to be so mindful of today and take action about. Here's the question I'd like to ask you both and what you're doing. How is the action of today perhaps different, if it is, than the action that it was when myself and my family, you know, marched in the streets of Selma or marched you know, for the rights. I mean, us, 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 uh, us white skinned people marching side by side. That is not an old concept. Are we asking to march in a different way? What's the call to action from your perspective? Well, from uh, our perspective, it's uh, a call to rededicate ourselves again, to rededicate mm-hmm. ourselves again. We still dealing, uh, in my opinion, with the same virus. 
the same virus that a generation ago had to deal with, we're still dealing with it. That virus somehow has mutated. And so yeah. now that it has mutated, it kind of manifests itself in different ways. But it's still the same virus. And I think yeah. people coming across racial lines uh, mm. can provide the vaccine, as you said earlier, the vaccine of love, the vaccine yeah. of unity and togetherness, and hold up our uh, core values that we still one nation. That's not to say that we're going to agree on everything, but that's to say that we can come together, we can communicate in such a way, not pass each other, but communicate to each other. And once we know each other, it's much easier to love each other. And so the more we allow the division uh, and the divisiveness of this country to push us apart, I think then we are undermining our own democracy. But we're still dealing with the same virus. We just got to understand that virus has mutated, but I still say our unity, our love for one another, I still believe that that is the vaccine that will that will help uh, 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 get rid of this virus. And I, I think that it's, you know, I, I know that I am particularly sad that in the year mm. 2018 that we are still dealing with the things that I had to experience as a child in Montgomery, Alabama in the late yeah. 50s, early 60s. But That's I can right. tell you that... You know, I want I think it's important that we as a country do not lose the message that it's it's we need to improve, but we need to balance the message and the education and information that's out there. There yes. are a lot of places in this country and I'm a I'm a military dependent so I'm talking about from outside the United States as well as inside mm-hmm. the United States where folks have gotten together, they don't see color they don't see difference. They have banded together to get things done, to worship, to educate, to inform. But what we hear over and over and over again through television, you know, and everything else is the message mm-hmm. that we're not. So I think that if we balance the message, and that's one of the things we're trying to do with the education programs that we're going to develop to send out to educate our young people to say, okay, this is, this is a good thing, coming together and praying and coming <laughs> together and worshiping. And you know what? One day we may all be beige. So you need to understand that. So, and, and, and it's not that far off. So think about that. So I think that, oh yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's the message that we need to send. Yeah. We, we, we've come a long way, but we also have so much further to go. Yeah, and I I love that you both are coming. It's not just you both, but it's all of you that are taking this message out there and coming from a place, you know, that some people call sacred spiritual ground, you know. And for me, let's just take a moment before we kind of run out of time here. And how can people find out more about this, more about you, uh, more about the First Baptist Church? What's a website that folks can go to? to really get up close and personal with what you're doing. Yes, our our website is firstbaptistchurch1776.org. And another website that is ours is the letfreedomringchallenge.com website. And we would encourage you to visit both of them. If you can't make it to Scotland (laughs) in Williamsburg, (laughs) (laughs) please enjoy the the visit with the other 7 million or so virtual visitors that have also rung the bell. Yeah. Um, a, A couple minutes left here. Last question. The thing that I'm struck by and most hopeful about is I've seen now, and you all have seen it, where And let's just talk about, let's not talk about the movement, but let's talk about how people have come together. Men and women have come together under movements like Me Too. We've just seen Hollywood come together Mm -hmm. in unity, synchronicity, no color divide, no pointing fingers about race or religion, but coming together in unity, all people to say, we're going to stand in our power Isn't this what we're asking for here, to honor each person in the journey, wherever you are, whatever your spiritual belief is, and to come together as we are one? Absolutely. What we're trying to convey is that freedom has no color. Love has no color. Respect has no color. Our nation 
as a nation of immigrants and diversity. That's what makes us so great as a nation, because we have come together to make this a great republic. So I think people need to be reminded that this is just not one nation that belongs to one race of people. We are a nation uh, of immigrants. We are a nation uh, with many different colors. That's the thing that makes us so great as a nation. And we're still Mm. that light that everyone wants to come to. So we've got to earn that to much, to those who much is given, much is, you know, expected. So we have to be the example for the world to show that we don't come together just around a cause, me too, or anything else. We come together because we genuinely think that we are one. Wow. Thank you both. Uh, one last question, personal message. What would, what, what would each of you like to leave us with? And thank you so much for what you're doing. <laughs> well, Connie, you can go ahead and tell them uh, about the uh, foundation. I can't. Yeah. The, the, the foundation, we are standing up this foundation to reach out and invite everyone to participate in this journey with us to protect and preserve the historic prominence of the First Baptist Church uh, and to understand Our history is not just limited to February. Uh, Black history is American history, and we are going to celebrate that 12 months of the year and not just the 28 days in February. So we will be sending out information and inviting everyone in this nation to participate. Reginald, how about you? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're asking people to come and participate because we feel that uh, the more education that we can uh, teach others, the more we uh, know about each other, uh, the more we can realize that we have more in common, that we have differences, and the more we know each other, it's easier to love each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you both for today. And anytime you want to have a Chitlin's uh, uh, cook-off, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to defer to someone else on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tell you that that walking in on my mom, boiling that stuff up in a pot was a labor of love. Thank you both. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Pat. Thank you so much. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.